Welcome to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. This is your host, Lisa Tomey. Today, we have Jesse Stanchek, who has a micro-slash fiction page on Twitter. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss this. Welcome to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast on YouTube. This is your host, Lisa Tomey. I'm happy to welcome Jesse Stanchek today. He's the king of Twitter with all of his wonderful tweets. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks. Thank, thank you for having me. I, I don't know if I'm uh, the king of Twitter. I don't think I'd want to be, but I do, have a, I do have a fun time there. Yes. So tell us a bit about yourself. Where are you from? Sure. Uh, well, I'm originally from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, but I've lived in the Washington, D.C. area most of my life now, uh, as an adult anyway. And uh, I was a journalist by trade. Uh, this is, you know, sort of relevant to how I get into to writing this stuff. Um, I was a documents-based reporter for uh, something called Congressional Quarterly, which meant that I would read enormous federal documents and then have to figure out in a couple of sentences how to explain what this actually said, uh, so that you knew if you needed to read the whole thing or not. Right. And that was my whole job was writing summaries of huge reports. And then I went from that to writing for a website called Slate that used to have this um, feature where they would um, condense the front pages of all the major newspapers. And I would write that overnight. And then I went to go work for a company called SmartBrief where I wrote summaries of news articles. Like this kind of became my thing for a long time. And I learned to write as short as humanly possible. I'm a big fan of Ezra Pound's definition of poetry. I mean, we can debate all day what poetry actually is, but I, I always like this one, that, that poetry is condensed language. It is packing as much meaning as possible into as small a space as you can manage. And that was just what I did all day, every day for, you know, the better part of a decade. And uh, along the way, I uh, I had this, this moment, um, I guess in 2017, I was asked to give a, a speech for um, a uh, former English teacher of mine uh, who was retiring after like 30 years and he was one of the people I was one of the people that he wanted to to speak at his his retirement dinner and I gave this great speech about like optimism and how I admired the fact that like he had grown so much as a person even as in the time that I'd known him he'd learned new languages and picked up new instruments and become a published playwright and done all this stuff when most people stop growing at, at a certain point and how everyone, if they were sad that he was retiring, should go out and do the same thing. And then I had like this existential crisis on the, the drive home where I went, oh my goodness, I'm a fraud. I'm not doing that at all. Uh, what can I do? What can I fit into my life that will be new and different and challenge me? And I've always had an interest in creative writing. Uh, I minored in it in college. I, I majored in telling the truth and minored in lying, which I think says a lot about me. And I said, well, okay, I can't commit to writing a novel. Like that's just, that's setting myself up for, I, I had uh, like a two-year-old kid at that point. Like uh, it was just more than I could take on. But I knew that there were a number of Twitter accounts that did sort of short, short, short fiction. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, you know, just the way my brain is wired, if I tell people, you know, like Babe Ruth, if I point at the fence and say, here's what I'm going to do, that I'm going to write three of these things every day, I'll do it. 
because it's public and because people would theoretically notice if I stopped. And um, little by little, for, for the last three and a half years, that audience has grown and gotten you know, more, uh, more passionate. And I've, I haven't missed a day since July 11th of 2017. Wonderful. Yeah. You have an interesting Twitter page and it's yeah. all yours. It's all it's, yours. It's all me. Uh, people do occasionally write to me and say, Hey, can I submit something? And I always have to say, sorry, it's, it's not a journal. It's just me. Um, occasionally people think that I'm more than one person because the, the approaches that I take are so different. Yeah. You know, if you're doing three of these a day, all right, and this, at this point, it's like four, a little over 4,000 stories. You, you can't just do the same move over and over again. People oh. would get sick of it. And, uh, so because I had this forced march of creativity going, uh, I, I sort of put on different hats and adopt you know, different styles and um, some of them, you know, really, you know, lean into into poetry. Some of them are very plot driven. Some of them are just dialogue. And there are a lot of different tones. There's, uh, there's a lot of stuff. I, f I feel bad. The things that always go viral are stuff that's funny, which, yeah, I'm sure, fine. Yeah. Uh, but they're not all funny. <laughs> and uh, like very intentionally so. So sometimes, you know, uh, I pre-write these and I'll have something funny, you know, blow up. And then the next one will be like really scary. And people are like, what is this? What have you done to me? <laughs> I didn't <laughs> sign up for that. I'm sorry. I don't, there's no easy way on Twitter to like communicate to people that like, this is going to be maybe a little more complicated than, than that first tweet led you to believe. Where do you get your ideas from? Uh, a couple of places. Um, one is, uh, something uh th there's a dr seuss book that actually was in the news recently because it had uh it has some some outdated racist depictions mm -hmm. called uh to think that i saw it on mulberry street but i read it as a kid and you know it sort of stuck it, it rattles around in your brain and i think the the core metaphor is, is still apt it um it's about a boy whose father demands that he explained what happened to him today every day when he gets home from school and he's terrified that the story he tells will not be good enough so he sees a man pulling uh, a man with a cart a horse and a cart on on mulberry street and he goes okay that's something but that's that's not very interesting uh what if what if it was a camel pulling a cart and it gets bigger and bigger and crazier and crazier and a lot of my stories start with really mundane things that I'll notice, like, um, you know, uh, a neighbor coming out and every day checking uh, the, to make sure that their car is locked. And like, I'll see a, across the parking lot a, a light flashing, and I know that that's what's happening. And I'll, why are they doing that? What is that about? Um, or it could be, you know, um, something genuinely unusual, like um, finding a dollar bill taped to a, a signpost. And who is that for? Why did they do that? What would happen mm -hmm. if I took that dollar? Uh, you just sort of you tug at that thread. And uh, if you tell yourself, okay, you have, you know, 20 minutes to take this ordinary occurrence and lie and exaggerate and make it into a tall tale, you can get pretty far. Um, another method is I, I meditate every day and, 
as you're doing that, you know, when you're trying to focus on your breath or whatever it is that you're doing, the mind wanders. It's what minds are meant to do. And mind goes to some pretty weird places, you know, and, you know, maybe I'll, I'll be breathing and suddenly I'll think about um, somebody getting stuck on an island. All right. Why are they on the island? How did they get to be there? Are they happy about it? Why might they be happy about being stuck on an island? And, you know, there's, you can just kind of ask questions and interrogate that situation until you get something that's kind of fun. Um, and then two other cheats real quick, that if you're ever stuck for an idea uh, are, are always, always good for, for uh, at least a shot. Uh, taking something figurative literally, like if someone says, um, I want to take the time to do something. What if you actually had to take the time from somewhere? Where would it come from? What would that mean if you had to physically take time maybe from someone else? Mm -hmm. um, and the other is the anthropomorphic fallacy. If you think about what an animal or an object or a plant wants and what they think about all day while you're wrapped up in your human nonsense, you can get some pretty fun stuff out of that. Oh, sure. That sounds yeah. great. Yeah. Would you like to read us one of your uh, tweets? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. I can, I can pull up a couple. Um, so, like I said, there are a whole bunch of um, styles and, and genres that I go into, and I, I tried for, for this to pick a couple that are more poetry-ish. Uh, you know, they're, they're all written in, I guess, technically in prose, but um, Billy Collins says that the difference between poetry and prose, and I like this, is that prose or poetry is a break in the silence, and prose is a continuation of the noise. And I like to think that these things, because they stand alone, they don't connect to anything else. I never revisit a premise or anything, that they exist in this sort of bubble of white space. Mm -hmm. uh, and so to, to me, they're poems. All right, here, here's one. None of them have titles, I'm afraid. That's not really okay. effective, but in love, into place, down a rabbit hole, through the cracks, behind the curve, out of favor, and grace. Before this is over, you will have time to ponder all the ways a person can fall. I love that because it leads you one way. And then uh -huh. that, that very last line, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. takes it a different direction. I like that. Yeah. And that's a slightly less flippant version of that, you know, what if something um, figurative was literal principle? Uh, because it just, it occurred to me one day that we have so many like idioms that require somebody falling and some of them are good and some of them are bad. <laughs> and uh, in that one, I've tried to sort of place them on a continuum. It starts with falling in love, which I think most people would say is unassailably good. And by degrees, it gets worse for, you know, whoever this is uh, until until they're falling from grace. So. Now, you said that you never revisit. Um, do you ever try to write any poetry a lot after you do like a, some of these tweets? Do you ever mm -hmm. develop them into any 
more poetry or anything like yeah. that? So uh, sometimes, and you, I, I love the way you phrased that. Um, the way a lot of people say this to me is, do you ever try to make anything real out of them? And oh, that irks me. Because, I didn't mean that. <laughs> oh, no, no, I know, I know you didn't. I, I just, I want to, I want to make this point that to me, these are complete. Like they don't, um, uh, there are, there are instances where I have gotten to the end of this and said, you know, there actually is more here, but that is absolutely the rarity. Um, I think most of these things are perfect in their way, exactly mm -hmm. as they are. And one of the things that I love about this format is because it's public, okay, mm -hmm. I get to exist in dialogue with mm -hmm. my readership in a way that authors always have, but had the luxury, I guess, of ignoring. Um, and there are there are people who, in, in almost every tweet, there will be people who will suggest other places that can this can go, some of which I would never have thought of. And, uh, or, or you know, we'll say, uh, we'll ask questions about it, like, who are these people, or what is this place, or what did you mean by that, that maybe hadn't occurred to me during the process. And what I religiously always tell people is that all versions are canon. Um, if you read um, science fiction or fantasy, things that come in long, you know, series, um, canon becomes um, something of a, a sore subject for people, both because it can be used for gatekeeping. You know, who who's really a fan? If you if you don't know who Revan is, are you even a Star Wars fan? Of course you are, but. Uh, it, it can be used that way, but it can also be a source of contention, like what stories are canon and which ones aren't canon? What really happened to Luke Skywalker? You know, which, which stories are real? And to me, that is singularly unproductive, right? If you have what's called headcanon, if you have a version of the story that exists in your mind, that is exactly as real as anything that George Lucas or Disney ever wrote, all right? Like none of this actually happened. So your imagination is as good as anyone else. Mm -hmm. And I try to lean into that as much as I can. If people, you know, um, you know, say, oh gosh, is this protagonist dead and a ghost and they don't realize it? Yeah, if that is what it means to you, that's exactly what happened. And I don't, I like that this short format is long enough for me to introduce ambiguity and not long enough for me to resolve it. So in a lot of ways, I don't want to come back and resolve the chord by writing more stuff. Uh, I just love the the space that it creates. Right. And, you know, that also kind of answers some of what poetry is too, and that is mm -hmm. for the reader to end up asking the question from the yeah. poem. You know, exactly. Where do exactly. they go from there? It's going to be different experience for each person that reads that. Yeah, it, it was really hard for me when I first started doing this as somebody who has always written for a living, but always written nonfiction for a living, uh, to have to deal with people coming out of the woodwork and saying, no, your happy story should have a sad end 
or your sad story should have a happy end. Like they both initially felt like, no, how can you take this thing that I've written and take it off in a direction that I didn't intend? But of course, everyone does that all the time anyway. And I, I just know it now. And I think I developed all versions are canon, both as armor, you know, to sort of protect my ego, but also as a way of protecting people from me. If I say that every time, then I don't have the power to come in and say, no, you're wrong, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. I, 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 the, that safeguards that space. Right. It's like, Really, who is to say what's right or what's wrong? Anymore? Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's, the fun of it. That's the fun of it. Uh, yeah, you bring you into one? a poem your own experience. Yeah. Yes, I would love to hear another one. Sure, yeah. Um, as a joke, he paid to have a toenail clipping shot into space to tumble in the void forever. An aeon later, a passing probe picked it up, analyzed it, and sent the data home. They thought his DNA was a song, the loveliest they'd ever heard. They sang it until their sun went out. Uh, a lot of my, uh, I've been working on like collecting these into a book, uh, like the, the, the really good ones at least. And if you sit down and come up with three ideas a day for four years, you will, and then try to analyze that, you'll notice patterns emerge, right? There are things that your mind gravitates to over and over again that you may not be aware of. And for me, uh, it, was, it, was, it was surprising to learn because I don't, I don't really read a lot of fiction or poetry that gets into this, but I'm obsessed with time and the passage of time and the, the manipulation or the idea of manipulating the passage of time. And more than probably any thing, one particular thing, uh, there are more stories about time on my, my channel than ever, anything else. And so this one were, takes place on like a cosmic scale, right? Literally aeons. Um, there are people who've done this, who've had pieces of their indelible body, their um, uh, skin or, or hair or toenail clippings or ashes, uh, ejected into space. Um, and as you know, like there's no momentum or, or no inertia in space. Nothing will ever slow that canister down. Uh, it'll, it'll tumble forever, but the universe is huge and you haven't mapped that out forever. It'll run into something or go by something eventually. And I started to think about, okay, like what would happen if you found if, uh, if, if a sentient race found remains of a person, you know, in absentia, like they've never seen a human being, they don't know what, how this would relate to us. They just know that some other race of, uh, of, of sentient being took it upon themselves to preserve this fragment and send it out. So it must've been important. And how would they make sense of that? And I like the idea that a mundane, frankly, slightly disgusting part of a human body could bring joy and happiness and meaning to a planet full of beings that we cannot comprehend on the other side of the universe. 
and we would never know it. Like mm -hmm. that would be effectively the most important thing this person had ever done and they right. would never know. Yep, it's interesting. That's an interesting analogy of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh -huh. so you're thinking about doing this in a book? Yeah, yeah. Um, provisionally, I'm titling it The Tyranny of Sand, which is a line from one of these stories. Um, and the, uh, uh, but it, for me, it has sort of a double meaning because sometimes, not often, but occasionally, uh, when I'm, I'm writing these, it can feel like I'm just weighed down by the weight of infinitesimally small particles, right? It's, you know, the idea of being buried in sand is incredibly terrifying to me. And, yeah. um, you know, so it's a metaphor for the stories as well. Um, and the challenge actually isn't saying, okay, do I have good material? Because I've been doing this, like I said, for, for as long as I have. Uh, I want this to have 280, which is, is you know, like 7% of, of the total output. Uh, so it, it really is just sort of the best of the best stuff. The problem is actually sequencing because the tone uh, can be so radically different. There are, you know, stories about vampire missionaries on the one hand, and then um, some really sad ones about, say, bad things happening to children, okay? How do those two stories exist in a collection? And how do you bridge the gap between them so that people don't get whiplash going right. from one to the next? Uh, because I think that's it's one thing to experience that on Twitter, right? In a, a a medium that's free and that is interspersed with billions of other ideas. Yeah. But if you're going from page to page, like what is the logical sequence? And that is that is what's taking as long. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 I did a um, story on Twitter each day. I wrote a segment, which mm -hmm. each segment could be freestanding. But mm -hmm. then it continued into I did did it to response in response to prompts, mm -hmm. and um, finally I just got to the point where I didn't know where to go with it anymore, so I just stopped doing it. But mm -hmm. I, I thought about putting that into I I saved it all and I thought about putting it into a book form. But mm -hmm. Yeah, organizing it, you know, getting it in just the right way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's tricky and like, you know, some people said, well, why don't you do a book of just the funny ones? And, you know, we're just the scary ones or whatever. And the truth is, I don't think that would represent the work well, not because, well, for two reasons. One, because that's not what the project is. The project is everything. Mm -hmm. And two, because I think that, um, all right, have you ever read any Terry Pratchett? Mm -mm. I don't okay. think so. He's um, a comedic fantasy author. All right. Uh, and he writes like these Jonathan Swift-esque um, like satires of modern life that are set in a fantasy world. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite is about how the male would work in a universe that had magic. And uh, they're brilliant and very funny. But if you read too much of him in a row, like if you if you just like get on a kick and read a bunch of his work, mm -hmm. like the magic wears off. He has like a bag of tricks. And um, you can kind of start to see the wires if you read too much of it. And I worry that if I 
if I just did the scary ones. You would begin to see how I did it if you just sort of encountered them all at once. I think you need sort of the the oscillation for them to be as effective as they are. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same like if you put a book of you know, if I put a book of poetry together, like I, I do that a lot. I do that as a publisher and I do that for myself. Mm -hmm. um, finding that right way to align things so that, you know, you're mm -hmm. right. You don't want to just go with on the dark side all the time or go on the light side. You got to figure out where your happy medium is. And it's, it's a challenge. It is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Would you like to take us out with one more piece? Yeah, sure. Here, why don't we do, actually, I can do the one that has that line in it, the, the ostensible title story. I'm just gonna take a drink. The man rides the horse across the high desert. The horse thinks of water and hay and apples. The man thinks of whiskey and the letter in his pouch and the tyranny of sand. The desert thinks only of conquest, spreading a little faster than the horse can run each day. Wow, <laughs> I felt that one. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah, I'm, wonderful. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that one. Yes, uh, you should be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jesse, is there anything I haven't asked you that you'd like oh, to share? Oh, gosh. Um, no, I, I think I think we've sort of covered a lot of stuff. I feel like, uh, honestly, I talked more than I, I really meant to. No, uh, that's okay. People are here to listen to you, not to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks fair. a lot. Sure, of course. Thank you for Thank having you so me. Much. You have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Come back again soon. Would you like to be on our podcast? Send an email to prolificpulse at gmail.com and we'll get back to you soon. Thank you. Have a good day.